Well, welcome once again uh, to our online Easter service. It is such a privilege to have you with us. And I absolutely love Easter. But as a pastor, everyone knows uh, what you're going to talk on. So there's really no mystery. And, you know, some pastors struggle with that. I mean, I've had pastors, you know, text me like, hey, will you pray for me? I'm not really sure what I'm going to talk about. I'm like, wait, what do you mean you don't know what you're going to talk about? I mean, it's Easter. This is like our Super Bowl. Uh, You know, the resurrection isn't some peripheral idea like, you know, did you hear about this story? No, this is like the central thought of Christianity. And, you know, everybody knows a little bit about uh, the resurrection. Everybody knows a little bit about Easter. And we just have the opportunity to expand upon the many, many implications of the resurrection and the early church leaders thought so. So it's not just a me thing. They thought this too. In fact, uh, not just on Easter, but they spoke about the resurrection quite a bit. In fact, the very, very first uh, church meeting and the very, very first sermon by none other than St. Peter, he preached on the resurrection and he preached on the resurrection using the very text that we are using today in Psalm 16. So if it was good enough for St. Peter, it's good enough for you and I. And I just think it's so relevant. This text in, about the resurrection in Psalm 16 is so relevant today because the cry of David's heart in this psalm was that he was wanting a, a safe place, a refuge, a foundation, a, a solid ground that he could rest upon. And I don't know if you had this experience uh, growing up, but when I was a kid, we had these woods behind our house and, you know, you know, how kids think, like, I thought it was some big magical force back then, but then you go back and it's like two trees and a rock. But anyway, we had these woods in our backyard and, and there was this creek um, in these woods. And one of the things that me and my older brother liked to do is when, when it would freeze in the winter, we'd like to go play on the creek and tr- kind of skate around. And, and um, one of the things though, you have to be sure of though, is you have to be sure that, you know, that the, the ice can withstand your weight. And so even my seven-year-old older brother at the time knew this, and he was smart enough to get me to test the ice. Uh, But being six years old, I was smart enough not to go myself, but to pick up a big rock and throw it on such ice to see if the ice could withstand our weight. Now, there was another kid in the neighborhood, and there's always that, that kid who just like wouldn't have it. He would just run out in onto the ice and never check in. I remember one time, he got on a place that was actually kind of deep and it was, it was thin and he fell right through. Now, fortunately, it was just a creek and he was fine, but he learned that day to always check that ice. In fact, um, you know, we all relearned that day because as they say, you don't want to be walking on thin ice. And I think, you know, in life, uh, it's so important to, 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 to check that, where your foundation is, that, the, the, that you're standing on solid ground. You and I need to know that where we're standing is solid ground. And I think if COVID-19 has revealed anything to us, has revealed to us that this, we have this profound need for security. We have this profound need to know that we are walking on solid ground. And again, this is what this psalm is about. David cries out, if you'll If you have your Bibles with you, that's great. But in verse one, it says, preserve me, O God, for you I take refuge. So he's saying, God, you are my my foundation. In verse eight, he says something similar. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And that's what you and I need. You and I need a foundation that cannot be shaken. 
And so here's what I wanna do. I just wanna do two simple things today. I wanna say, first of all, why we need this foundation and secondly, how we get it. And it's all in the Psalm that was read for us. Why we need this foundation and how we get it. So first of all, why do we need it? Well, simply put, there is no foundation in this world that has the kind of strength to bear the weight of our soul. There's nothing in this world that is foundational. Everything in this world is temporary. There's no physical foundations. Um, 150 years ago, physicists would tell you that the world is made up of solid matter and it has always existed. But now they'll tell you that matter is nothing more than energy and motion. And a particular configuration of that energy that you and I call matter um, that we think of as solid is actually winding down and will eventually fall apart. I mean, it's the second law of thermodynamics. If you're taking notes, it's the second law of thermodynamics. And in fact, you might want to get your kids if you're struggling with homeschool and you can tell them that. So now you got a little help with your school. Here's what that means. And this is why. If, if the physical world is all there is, and, and some people believe that, they believe that the physical world is all there is, um, and there is no foundation outside of the physical world, meaning there's nothing that exists outside of the physical world, then human civilization, even if it lasts, say, like a billion years, will in the end just be this accidental flicker and no one will be around to remember it. So there's no physical foundation. There's no uh, intellectual or philosophical foundations. Things that were written just 20 years ago in, in our papers and, and in our uh, books, uh, they're things that we don't believe anymore. In fact, we're embarrassed by them. Things that we may have said about race or gender or, or you know, the use of technology or cell phones or whatever it is, there are things just 20 years ago that we were like, we don't believe that anymore. We don't think that way anymore. And that's true, you know, in society. It's, I know it's true for me personally. You know, I look back at 25. When I was 25, man, I thought like, man, that kid is brilliant. Like, you know, like, man, he, you know, I've got it together. I know how the world works. And, and then, you know, but now at 44, I look back and man, that kid was a moron. Like he didn't know what he was doing. And, but I would imagine, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to think the same way. And that's probably true for you. <laughs> there are things that, you're, that you would believe right now, things that you would say right now that you hope no one writes down, that you hope no one's paying attention to because you will be embarrassed by. So there are no intellectual or philosophical foundation, but it gets worse. There's no emotional foundations, meaning there's nothing that, uh, any, anything that we love, everything that we love and give our heart to isn't going to last either. The world will take away everything that you love. You can't keep your fam, uh, family and friends together. I mean, right now we're all hunkered in, but when COVID-19 goes away and things go back uh, to normal, it, what that means is people are going to get angry at each other. People are going to leave relationships like they always do. Uh, some will just move away or will, will kind of gradually lose touch. Some will wander off. And of course, uh, you know, we'll die eventually. I, I read an interview of a 26-year-old model who said, and I quote, I'm trying to get ready now for the aging process. Right now I'm a size three, but I'll be 40 before you know it. So being in a size eight or even a size 10 is inevitable. So I need to start preparing myself emotionally for that now. There's something worse coming her way than being a size 10. Right now, flowers are in bloom, but eventually they're going to start decaying. And you and I 
are only on a slightly slower decaying process than those flowers. And this is why David is crying out because you and I, we don't want to be on the same trajectory as a, as a fading flower. We don't want to decay that way. We don't want to be an accidental flicker in, in a moment of time. We want to attach ourselves to something that will last. We need a refuge. We need a safe place. We need a foundation that is more than just thin ice. But we have this thing inside of us it's what the Bible calls sin that wants to go our own way. We want to we find joy and pleasure in things that we come up with when everything around us is screaming at us, don't trust me. Beauty is screaming at us, you cannot trust me, I am temporary. Our finances are screaming at us, you cannot trust me, I'm temporary. Our health, even our relationships, they'll all go Away. That's why David wanted this refuge. He's like, I've got to find this refuge. Abraham wanted this refuge. Abraham is a key figure in the Bible that you may have heard of. Um, we learn about him early on in, in the scriptures. And he was very, if you don't know this, he was very wealthy. But he recognized that his wealth wasn't strong enough to carry the weight of his soul. And so he left his, he left, and even his family wasn't, that either. And so he, it says that he left his, his country. He left his city. He, he turned his back on all of that. He left his hometown. Why did he do that? Well, in Hebrews eleven ten it says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He looked at his wealth and says, that's thin ice. He looked at his family, even his relationships, said those are thin ice too. He was looking for a foundation that cannot be shaken and your soul wants the same thing. Your soul wants a foundation that cannot fail. Your uh, soul wants a love that can last. Whether or not you've come to grips with that or not, your soul wants that. It has a profound need to find that safe place. And if there's a blessing in COVID-19, it's this. It's that, that things that you didn't think could be shaken in your life are beginning to shake. You're beginning to see that the ice is thin. You're beginning to see that that is not a safe place to build your life on. So that's why we need it. So how do we get it? Well, we need to do something the Bible says, repent. We need, that is that we need to turn from what we thought was right and, and change our direction. It's, it, repent means to change a one, in a 180. So David tells us, he tells us that we need to recognize that we're, where we're running, the direction that we're running is going to head towards suffering. Now I need you to follow me here because this is important, but it may not make a sense on, on the surface. He says, the sorrows of those who run, this is verse four, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. So to run after anything but the true God, run after another God, suffering will multiply. So David is recognizing that those, they don't just believe in other gods, but they, it says that they run after other gods, multiply their pain and sorrow. Again, you need to stay with me. This is important. And it just may change how you see faith and really what life is all about. You see, ancient people believed in, in a set of divine beings. They believed in a God of beauty or a, a, a God of, of finance, a God of love, a God of fertility, 
uh, a God of athletic ability in, in whatever that you wanted. If you wanted athletic ability, if you wanted beauty, if you wanted wealth, you would worship that God. You'd worship the God of wealth. You'd worship the God of athletic ability. And they believed as they worshiped and they would have success in that area. Now, as modern people, we don't believe that these gods actually exist, but functionally, we have the same relationship to them. And what I mean by that is that we make them the center of our life. That is that we worship them. We make sacrifices for them. We, we say, if, if, if I can have that, then my life will have meaning. And so we bow down at the altar of success. We bow down at the altar of wealth. We bow down at the altar of our health or whatever, relationships. Whatever that is in your life, although we don't think of it this way, whatever that is for you is divine. <laughs> it's a God. Even though there's, you, know, you may not think, you know, there's an actual God of wealth, you treat wealth the same way. You, you sacrifice, you long for it, you, you pant after it. That's the word, it says to pant after it. You know, your tongue's hanging out over, if I could just have wealth, if I could just have health, if I could just have beauty. It's your meaning in life. It's why suffering is relative. It's why some people are handling this crisis better than others. It's why there are some people, I know some people who have lost their job who are handling this crisis better than people who may miss a vacation. It's because some people make it the very thing they depend on it. They make it their very foundation. So when you have to recognize that you're going in the wrong direction, that is your heart wants something that isn't going to satisfy that longing for security and joy. And then secondly, you have to chase after God. You have to make him what you want. Verse two, it says, beyond you, O God, there is nothing. Again, in verse five, it says that you are my chosen cup. And that word cup means experience. It's like, God, you're what I want. You're what I after. You're the joy that I need. You're my hope. You're my worth. You are my all. And if that's what it is, if you make God your all, that's a foundation that won't shake. That is a foundation that is secure. That is a foundation that will never go away, not even death. In fact, if God is your foundation, death makes it better because you're in his very presence. And then it, the result of that is that you join in with a resurrection of Jesus. And this is what's so powerful. He, David says in verse nine, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also draws, dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not let my flesh experience corruption. That is rot. He has this confidence in God's love and power in his life. He says, he, God, he was so experiencing the love of God. And this is true of you. If, there, if there's someone that you really love, if something gets between you and someone that you really love, you'll do anything in your power to remove whatever it is is keeping you from, from, from the person that you love. And David is so enthralled with the love of God and he so reveres the love of God. He so respects and understands his power. He's saying that God won't let anything get in the way of him and me, not even death, not even death. God won't let that happen to me. And he's saying here that God's gonna resurrect me. Just, he's gonna resurrect, he's gonna re resurrect all of me. He's gonna resurrect my body. I'm not gonna be this disembodied you know, spirit, you know, floating around in heaven with a harp. 
but actually my body is going to be resurrected so I can experience the joy that my heart cries out for. Our life in heaven is not going to be compensation for the life that we lost here on earth. It's going to be way better than that. It's going to be a restoration of the life that we that our heart truly wants. It's going to be the joy that we really want. It's going to be the peace that we really want. It's going to be everything that, it's going to be the beauty that we want. Everything that our heart leaps toward, God's going to restore to that original intent in heaven. And this can be true for you today if you will trust in him. If you will trust in Jesus. Maybe to this point, the ground beneath you has felt pretty secure but maybe just maybe COVID-19 has shaken some things up for you. Things that you didn't think could be shaken are beginning to be shaken. I cannot tell you what a gift that is to you today, if that's you. Even though it feels terrible, I cannot tell you. It, it is like knowing that the, the ice that you're standing on isn't gonna withstand you. So it's, it's if, you, if you stand on thin ice and you put your weight on thin ice, you're going to fail. And here's the truth. Everything in this world is thin ice. Even if it feels like, hey, nothing's happening now. Summer's coming. If you're standing on ice, summer's coming. Seasons change. Summer's coming. We'll melt the ice and you will fall through. Here's what we all know. We all will die. Seasons change. This is just a small part of your life. Your life is eternal. This life on earth is just a little bitty piece. The season is going to change. And even though the ground may feel secure underneath you, it will melt and you will fall. But if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you put your trust in what he did for you on the cross. You see, in the garden, when when we were created, we were created for relationship with God and we rebelled against him. We said, God, I, I wanna go my own way. And we turn from that and we look we looked to created things for our foundation, for our security, for our joy. And what it means to trust in Jesus, it means that, that you understand that you've been chasing the wrong things and that Jesus Christ paid the penalty to, for that sin, for that act of rebellion against the creator of the world. But you also believe that as he was buried, he didn't stay dead and God raised him up on the third day. And if he rose, you, if he rose from the dead, you too will rise from the dead. So what do you do? Well, you do what we just talked about. You admit that you've been going in the wrong direction. You admit that your heart has been longing after the wrong things. And you, you now need to turn from that and long after God. And if that's you, I just wanna take this moment right now. And I just wanna pray with you. So if that's you, will you pray with me? And uh, if you've already given your life to Jesus, will you, will you pray for those who are now receiving Jesus? So if you wanna receive Jesus here, pray this prayer with me. Father, I realize that my heart has wanted the wrong things. I've put my security on a false foundation. I want to run from that and run to you. Will you forgive me of my sin? I now put my trust in you. I now make you my joy. I now make you my portion. And give me the gift of your spirit to empower me to live this new life. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you said that prayer, I would love it if you would text that number that's coming on the screen right now. Text pray to that number and so that someone can come to you. Someone can call you and talk to you through uh, what you just what just happened in your life to encourage you and, and give you a few next steps. And But for all of us together, including those of you who just gave your life to Jesus, I want, to, I want us to say these two verses together as a declaration of what is true in your life and the blessing that is over you. And it's back, it's Psalm 16, verses five and six. Let's, I want you to read it out loud with me. Verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And then we can declare this. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God bless you.